This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Right there, right there. up. This is the game. Yeah. It's a uh, cat and mouse. Smoked a turkey. <laughs> yes. He is down. He is freaking down. Said he shot an absolute giant. Follow-up session, baby. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another follow-up session podcast. I will be your host for this podcast. This is Nick Powell, media production manager with Follow-up Session. And uh, this is uh, the first podcast without Sam, actually. But we have a, a special guest, Andy Meeks, our very own now pro staffer, I've been informed. He's decided to come uh, join us and talk a little bit about goose hunting. Andy, how's it going, man? Great. I'm doing awesome today. Um, yes, I got the good news uh, the other day about uh, the pro staff position. and very excited for it and very honored to do this. So. Yeah, congratulations. That's exciting stuff, man. Uh, thank you, thank you. We've gotten a lot of good content from Andy, so uh, we appreciate it. And thanks for uh, hopping on here with me. I know it, uh, it's been a long time coming. It's been in the works, and so I'm glad we're finally making it happen. Yeah, me too. Uh, it's going to be that season too, where we could uh, start doing this. So heck yeah! Uh, so I just wanted to kind of start with where me and you met. We met at the staff hunt last year down in San Angelo, and uh, what a freaking great time that was, huh? Oh, amazing time! Uh, I got invited down by Drew, another admin, and uh, he asked me if I wanted to come down to Texas and shoot some deer. And I said, "Well, I could pass that up." <laughs> Yeah, and then a, I uh, go ahead. No, no, it, it was an opportunity I couldn't really pass up. So I mean, it's uh, it was kind of like one of my dream hunts to go down to Texas and shoot some deer, and we got to do that. So awesome. Well, I know I had a blast, and I think every I think I can speak on everybody else's behalf that they had a blast as well. Oh, hundred percent, yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was cool. It was cool to see everybody because you know, being a uh, an admin or a, a field staffer as well. You know, seeing all the guys' posts and, and all the guys' uh, content that is sent in, 
uh, it's cool to actually meet you guys in person and actually meet everybody, not everybody, but meet uh, a few of the staffers in person. So, Oh, I could agree with you more. Um, even, you know, meeting, especially meeting you and Sam uh, from here down there. And then uh, Stephen came over from Georgia. And yeah. came from Colorado. Yeah. And me and, and Drew came from Minnesota. So it was it was quite, uh, you know, around the country thing. It was kind of neat, very neat to get us all in there and, you know, talk and hunt together yeah it was just a good a good solid hunting camp there but uh i don't think you were a field staffer at that point you just came no. along for the ride huh yes i was just a guest at that point <laughs> um, it was it was it was awesome to, it was awesome to be a guest and um and sam talked to me before we left and said hey i want you to kind of join us and i I didn't uh, didn't pass that opportunity down. So, <laughs> well, we're glad to have you on for sure. And now, what is it? That was in December of last year, and now here it is, August, and you're already a pro staffer. Yes, I, it's, it's been a fast six, fast six, seven months, and it's <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's awesome. It's uh, I, I, like I said, I'm very honored to do be a part of this. So, excellent. So, let's start and uh, dive into this uh, podcast here a little bit, and. Uh, Let's just start with your background. How did you get started in hunting, and uh, not specifically goose hunting, but just hunting in general? Well, uh, I guess it actually kind of started out with goose hunting. Um, I had a, a father figure when I was younger, probably eight, nine, ten, and I we always used to go out to uh, Lacaparo, Minnesota. That's on the western part of the state, and there was he was part of a hunting camp, and every MEA weekend, uh, it's, a, it's a weekend, kind of a conference weekend up here for the schools and. We had like four days off, and I'd always go out there and uh, and then hang out with the guys and his buddies, and that's where I kind of learned how to hunt. And, and goose hunting was actually the first guy I got to introduce to. Um, so it's it's a uh, it's a love of mine. It's my passion, I guess you could say. I love shooting deer. Don't get me wrong, but uh, goose hunting is where my heart's at. So awesome. Okay. Yeah. So I started uh, started about eight, going out there. And, by the time I was 10, I already had my first one, first goose on the ground. So that's when it all fell, fell into place. Nice. So you could, you could say that you're pretty much an expert on, on the uh, subject, huh? Well, I wouldn't go that far, but yeah, <laughs> I, I've, I've, I've spent, I've spent many years uh, chasing these birds and, and enjoying every minute of it too. So awesome. That's excellent. And you, you do any other waterfowl hunting at all? Oh yeah, I uh, love the duck hunt. Um, I, I got uh, introduced to snow goose hunting about seven years ago, and that has uh, been my spring my spring passion, I guess you could say. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, I love I love chasing those white birds up and down, you know, the Midwest through you know Nebraska, South Dakota, and up in North Dakota. So. Gotcha. Oh, awesome. And and I I've been goose hunting one time. And so I have a fraction of experience in the, the subject. So I'm coming at it from a, a newbie perspective, I guess you could say, a novice. Right, right. Um, so I'm going to have quite a bit of questions for, because I only know the way, the way that we did it. You know, we packed up, went, went out and all, there was a bunch of guys. We all met early in the morning uh, at a gas station and we followed the guide who took us to this big open field, open cornfield. Um, I couldn't even tell you how big it was, but it was, it was massive because it's in 
Oh, yeah. It's in, uh, I guess the, I guess you could say the northern part of this, or the state, close to the Panhandle. Um, right. Oh, yeah, it was in the Panhandle. We went to Amarillo, so, and it is as flat as it gets out there. So, <laughs> um, and that's all we did was we just went, we set up, uh, I think the end number, including, because we had some full body decoys, we had some, some cardboard decoys, and then we also had some flag decoys. And so, after all those were set up, I think it ended up being about 1,500 decoys, uh, which I don't know if that's a lot or not. It seemed like a lot to me, but <laughs> that's just because I've never, I've never done it before. But, uh, and then we just sat inside those decoys and inside the most concentrated part of the, of the decoy flock, I guess you could call it. And then they would call them in and man, the rush of those geese flying over is, is incredible. But yeah, that was a really cool, a uh, really cool experience. So, uh, I guess just kind of explain how, you know, how you guys go about it up there. How, if y'all do anything similar, or if y'all, so I guess just start at step one and, and kind of lead us through how the goose hunting, a goose hunt is up, up north. Well, uh, here, out here from kind of the upper Midwest, uh, I would kind of include uh, North Dakota in this one too, because I do a lot of goose hunting out there. Okay. But um, first step is scouting. Um, that's, that's the number one, I guess, you have to do. Uh, you got to find those birds. You got to kind of pattern them as best as possible. Here in the in the early season, they're really tough, tougher to pattern because uh, they're um, they're just they're in smaller groups. We call them family groups. But uh, when, you, when you're getting into the when you're getting into the, you know the heart of the waterfall season, yeah, scouting is number one. You got to make sure that you know look at them for a couple days. I mean. Make sure they're going to the field. What time they're going to the field? You know, and then you got you, when you get to that field, you got to find out where they're sitting on that field and what way they're feeding. Yeah, you know, or, okay. And waterfall is a big is uh, wind is a big thing, a big player in, when you're hunting ducks and geese, and uh, so you kind of have to play that too. I mean, there's there's many details and that goes into setting up a spread and like you said, fifteen hundred you know decoys a spread. That's a that's a big spread, but I mean. In the heart of in the heart of the season, when they're all flocked up like that, you want those many decoys out there. So it kind of gives them a you know a safe. It looks like a safe place to land and stuff like that. Right, exactly. And that was that was one of the things that the, our guide told us was uh, he said you know it's it was later in the season when we went, and so he was like, well, hopefully we'll get these geese to fall for our tricks because they've seen them all already. And so I guess having a bigger spread made it more. Uh, appealing to come and land or, or made them feel safer to come and land so right by because by the time they get to you i mean they've been shot up in canada starting you know starting here pretty quick i mean i'm sure they're gonna get they're ramping up into canada i mean they get shot from north dakota south dakota and you know nebraska kansas and <laughs> through oklahoma so yeah like like you're like the guy said i mean they've seen every trick in the book and by the time they get to you so when you get down that far south, you've got to have big number of decoys. It, even even when you, you know, even here later season, when they're all flocked up, you've got to have a nice, decent spread to, you know, so they have a, it seems like it's a nice, safe place to land. And, yeah. You know, and, they, and hiding blinds is a different thing because they've seen all kinds of blinds, and that's another thing. Concealment is a huge thing. Um, gotcha. I, I can't emphasize that enough um, if you hide yourself well you're going to get geese in and ducks and stuff like that if you kind of 
half it, and they're going to pick you out every time. Gotcha. I mean, they're, for, for, you know, I don't people call them sky carp or, you know, they're dumb birds. They're actually a pretty intelligent bird. Yeah, yeah. They're not, they're not as worry as a, worrisome as a snow goose. I mean, you get some adult snow geese that have been around for 20 years, and they really have seen everything. You know, so. <laughs> right. Yeah, and that was one thing that kind of surprised me when we went was – because all, all we did was they had they had a little um, elevated like thing for us to lay on, and then uh, they they had these blankets that looked like the cut corn uh, that we would lay over yeah. us, and they were telling us that because we had it was cold, so we had gloves on and you know uh, toboggans and stuff like that, and they were like, you even got to cover up your face because those those geese their eyesight's so good they'll be able to point that out, they'll be able to to pinpoint you know your skin. Uh, out of all these out of all these decoys and all the all the uh camouflage that you're wearing and so that was one thing that i was unaware of i, di- I didn't think that you know they were they were very uh keen uh on those things but uh apparently oh, yeah. they are and so i, I yes. that's a that's a big a big uh hot tip yeah right no a very hot tip yes um yeah especially late season uh late season geese so that, i mean they're usually in, you know, flocks of 50 to up to, you know, a couple hundred. And that's a lot of eyes looking down, you right. know. And one one doesn't like something and you, the whole flock goes. So, I mean, I mean, you get the stragglers that come down. But, sure, yeah, it's amazing what they can see from that height. And, you know, and, you know it's it's quite incredible. So Yeah. And I know that we, we hunted in the morning when we went. Is that uh, around the time that you all do it as well? Or do you all go in the afternoon? Yeah, I guess the you know it depends on what your your field that you scouted looks like. I mean, are they are they feeding in the morning? You know, are they feeding in the evening? Um, this time of year, they're kind of maybe just feeding once a day because it's still a little bit warm. But gotcha. Uh, okay. Cooler temperatures are. You know, the cooler the temperatures go down, they they start to feed more. And they're starting to get you know they're bunching up more. Right now, they're sitting in their family groups and they're kind of just you know, um, for instance. Um, we're, uh, I'm leaving for North Dakota. I am, my old man lives up in North Dakota, so I like to go up there and hunt the early geese. And what he's saying is that, you know, it's been hot last week, and they're just basically sitting on a pond and walking up through the reeds and just walking into the field and eating. You know, they're oh, not wow. necessarily flying. Yeah, so <laughs> it's it's really tough to um, pattern those birds because they'll just sit on the water and walk right up to the field. If you try to set up on them, they're gonna, you're going to spook them. So, right, right. For the early season, you you got to do your homework a little bit, and it's early season's kind of a it's I don't want to say a guessing game, but you kind of have to guess early season where they're going to go, unless they're pattering really nice, and then sure. then it's kind of a pretty thing. So yeah, and you kind of use that, you know, you kind of use your your scouting in any any kind of hunting you use or any kind right. of hunting you go out and do. So that's a that's a great point. Yep. That that I'd have to say that's that's number one on it. Basically, like you said, on most any hunting, you got to do your scout. Right. You got to do your home. You gotta you gotta try to figure out where they're coming from, where they're going, and what time. And that's perfect. Um, what um, I know there's multiple goose subspecies that you can hunt. Do you have a, a favorite or two? I know you enjoy snow goose hunting. I love I love shooting. Yeah, I love. Uh, so we get uh, we get more of the lesser snow geese. The snows, the blues, and then you got another subspecies of that called the Ross geese. It's a little bit smaller than a lesser snow goose. Um, we don't get the greater snow geese on like the East Coast does. 
but for the Canadians, we we have uh, we have the giant Canadians up here, the big boys. Gotcha. And um, we we do we do run into a little bit of um, some lessers, some cacklers. Um, obviously, um, my one of my bucket list goose, I have to say, is a, a white fronted or a speckle belly. Okay. I have not got one of those, and I, I it's still it's still on my list to do. So. Gotcha. We had a couple of those down here when we went. Yeah, a couple, a couple yep. speckle bellies. So it was that was pretty neat. Yeah, you get you get. Uh, I believe you probably get a, quite a few speckle bellies down by you in late season like that. They kind of they kind of roll be, before the snow geese or with the front end of the snow geese fall migration down and and um, but yeah, it's um, that's one of my bucket lists. And also a branch. You can find the branch I think on both coasts. Okay. Got an upper Pacific. Um, on the west coast and then kind of on the east coast too you get a lot of brant geese and they're kind of a neat looking goose too that i have not 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 got to harvest yet so gotcha okay so so you get there uh in the morning or you do your scouting obviously and then you get there uh to where you're going to set up and then i guess it all depends on what time the geese are are flying through uh is is dependent on what time you set up is that right right Right. Um, so yeah. So like we we like to we like to try to find a morning spot. I like. Um, I feel like that they feed more in the morning. I guess. Um, so you'll you'll find your find your field in the evening. Hopefully they're feeding that field. Or you saw them in the you know the next uh, the previous day in the morning there. And so you uh, we get there. You know four four thirty in the morning. Um, you know early season like this we're probably setting up maybe three four dozen not too many okay but uh, uh when you're you know middle of the season you're gotta get up at four four thirty five five o'clock just to get out you know maybe 500 decoys you know so i mean it, it all the, the decoy spread kind of varies for you know different times of the year um like a lot of a lot of people run silhouettes now silhouettes Gotcha. In the early season, because they're kind of, you know, you get the younger birds, they're not that intelligent. Obviously, you have mom and dad there to kind of point that way, but they, uh, yeah, they. it just seems like they, they're a little bit more dumb in the early season. Well, they're not educated as much, so. Gotcha, okay. Uh, that makes sense. But when you're, when you're mid-season or late season, you're going to want your full bodies, um, and then you mix in little silhouettes to kind of, you know, fill in gaps and areas, and. And then uh, kind of towards later season, uh, they have flocked heads. It's a kind of a looks like they it like, looks like real feathers on them, and it, it, it pops. Okay. Especially you know right away in the morning when that sun hits that um, that that black head, and you know it's uh, quite the quite the scene to see. So gotcha. And they, and they, it just if they make it, it, those flocked heads make it look more realistic instead of looking at you know faded plastic or. Right, but, uh, right, all, yeah. All these, all these decoy makers nowadays are—they're they're all awesome decoys. I, <laughs> I don't have a specific one that I like to do because they're all really nice, and so that makes sense. Yeah, I think the ones that they were using down there, and I mean, these full-body decoys look real, like a hundred percent real. Uh, yeah. All, all the way down to the detail of like a, a velvet-type head to make them look like yeah. they have—they have feathers on their head, like it was. I was thoroughly impressed with with how real the decoys looked, and, and that's and that's what you need for those big, you know, those late season big flocks. Yep, I'm sure you, I'm sure you got a lot of lessers down there. 
tacklers. That was, I think that was the majority of what we had was uh, lesser Canada's. Yeah, oh, heck yeah. Uh, they, um, you know, with those lessers, they, they they flock up a little bit more. So you're looking at maybe, what, 100, 100 in a flock? You know, something like that, that. So yeah. A, and there was there was some yeah. that were even bigger than that. I'd say up to two it, or three hundred. Oh, it would not surprise me one bit. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, they, and, and yeah, so they they'll pick you out if you have uh, mediocre decoy spread, or you know you're not paying attention to your details. they're like I said, they're for dumb birds. They're pretty smart. So right, <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, we had a few a few snows fly over. Uh, I think a couple of guys shot some. Shot some speckle bellies, um, but most of them were were the lesser Canadas. Yeah, but they were. I mean, they're still big birds. Yeah, I don't know if you guys get. I don't know if the the giant hawk, the giant Canadian geese, or the the big honkers they call them. Um, I don't know if they go too far south. They they're pretty hardy birds, so they can they can winter up here in Minnesota in the wintertime if there's open water. Um, I I know down in rochester minnesota they have a there's a lake that's kind of always open and it's it's quite to see this uh the scene down the you know like late december you're seeing honkers still and it's snowing out it's you know 10 below and wow so yeah there that's that those giant honkers are pretty uh hardy birds so. gotcha when does goose season start uh for us i believe it starts labor day weekend here in minnesota um okay. i know i know north dakota where my old man lives, he they start a early goose season, which is August fifteenth, middle of August. I guess I, it probably varies from year to year, but this year it's, I believe it started on the fifteenth, and they they that runs to about uh, the middle of September up there, and for us it runs to the twenty eighth, I believe this year, twenty sixth of September. Our early goose goes, goes from about twenty one days, give or take. And then um, it's, it's a week off. Then it starts duck season, which you can shoot both ducks and geese in. So, but up in, in North Dakota, yeah, it's, it's very similar timing. Same thing. I think they have a little bit longer or earlier um, start to a goose season, and then it uh, it switches over to the regular duck season and goose season. So, gotcha. Okay. So, uh, what kind of bag limits do they allow up there? Um, for, uh, for Minnesota, I believe it's, uh, some parts. So there's, uh, uh, intense harvest, some areas of intense harvest there where they allow you to shoot five geese a day, um, during the early season. And then it falls back to three during the regular season. Um, now I know up in North Dakota, uh, which I like to do is, um, they have a very liberal season or liberal limits and daily possession down. Possession limits and daily possessions. It's 15 geese a day, and you wow. can have 45. Yeah, exactly. You can have 15 geese per man per day, and then your your um, total uh, possession limit is 45. So, which which I've only I've only done one time to shoot our limit of uh, uh, North Dakota hawkers. It was like it was my old man, me, and a hunting buddy, and we shot 45 geese in about four hours. So, dang, yeah. So it was. It was quite. That's a lot of birds. uh, And you know, you know, with everybody says the hunting part's uh, easier than the work becomes work when you're cleaning 
Absolutely. Yes, 100%. Because I think our uh, when we killed some, it was me and two other guys that came with me. And so I think our daily bag limit was five. And so we had 15 to, to clean. And it took us a pretty good while <laughs> to, to oh, get yeah. those suckers oh, clean. Yeah, yeah that's, it's no easy task with those those feathers and stuff like that. Some some people like to pluck them, you know, and just kind of have a, like a roasted goose. You can roast goose and... Um, I'll, I'll do kind of half and half. I'll cut the breasts out. I like to make, um, streaky with them okay. and sausages like that. So, so I'll just breast them out. Some of them, I'll take the legs. They're not beat up and, or just, you know, have a couple of geese plucked and just throw them in the oven or do it on the grill. I've done both ways. Gotcha. Okay. So, so that, what do you have a, a preference of which, what, what's your favorite? Boy, um, I've had I've had a couple of geese in the oven. You put some orange marmalade over them and you know, spice them up a little bit. And that's pretty darn good. Uh, I know okay. I know a lot of, I know a lot of people that, uh, don't like the taste of goose. It's kind of an acquired taste, I sure, guess. Sure. I, I've been eating them for a long time, so that's <laughs> just that's just news to me and old news to me. So, but I right. know uh, the the jerky that uh, we make jerky and it's uh, I think it's phenomenal. I mean, it's it's awesome that we can figure out how to eat these birds fast so we can go get more, you know. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so how, how do you go about making the jerky? I'm curious. Uh, well, I, I, got a, I got a slicer, like a meat slicer, and you like to so – I did a couple thinner ones, and they get a little dried out. Uh, so I kind of like to cut them about a quarter inch, three-sixteenths, and then um, season them up. Um, I, I have a dehydrator, and I also have a smoker. Okay. Um. Uh, you know, it's um, half a dozen six in the other. Gotcha. I like the smoky flavor. I like the smoky taste. So I, I do like it a little bit more in the smoker. But um, I've had some darn good jerk, uh, goose jerky and the de- uh, 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 dehydrated too. So yeah, that sounds good. It, to, to me, it's a win-win on both. So. <laughs> right, you're not going to go wrong, huh? No, 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 you can't. Uh, so how do you go about obtaining tags? Is it like a, is it just like a waterfowl tag, and then you can you know get your daily bag limit i know that's how it is down here we got uh we buy our our general uh license and then we can get a waterfowl stamp on it uh or we have to buy you know buy an additional waterfowl stamp uh so is it is it similar up there yep uh very similar um i know the state of minnesota we have to we're required to it's a it's a small game license and then you have to buy your state waterfowl stamp and then also you have to have your federal uh waterfall stamp oh okay we have to carry two two different stamps with us to gotcha. hunt duck and um i know and then for yep yeah, and then that just yeah that's for the regular season for the early season um i, I know in north dakota you only need your federal duck stamp and you know obviously the federal can you only need one federal duck stamp to go into different states so it, once you have your federal, you're good to hunt. You just have to um, find out what else that state provides. Is it a state duck stamp, or is it just the fe- you only need the federal? So. Gotcha. Okay, because I think that's how Texas is. Is all you need is the federal. Yep. Yep. I, I believe I. Yep. I believe North Dakota is like that. I. I, I don't know South Dakota, or Wisconsin. I guess uh, I haven't hunted uh, too much waterfowl in Wisconsin, or not at all. I guess. Um. I and for. 
for this early season, I know North Dakota's license is 50 bucks, so it's 50 bucks from August 15th to September 15th, and that you know, then once you buy your um, regular season, you get like two 14 day. Uh, this is from a non uh, out of stater. I guess I don't know. I think the same thing applies for local. I guess I don't know that one, but gotcha. um, you get two seven day periods up in North Dakota, and you you choose your first weekend, and then you have to choose or you choose both weekends, and you can't move it ahead. You can always your second weekend, so you plan on your first weekend as opener. And um, if you one, if you want to go up there, like say end of October when you got the big ballards coming down from Canada, and you got um, the snows are starting to trickle in, and specs are starting to trickle in. That's when I kind of like to go late October, early November. Um, it's 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 a good time to be out there, and for the state uh, for Minnesota here. Um, I guess I guess I don't know what an out state license costs um, for for that. Should should look that one up, but, but <laughs> no worries. Uh, so yeah, um, for us it's just you know we have to have two stamps and a small game license basically for here in Minnesota. Okay. But, yeah. It's not too bad. No, it's not too bad. I think the the federal this year is still twenty seven fifty. Mm-hmm. And then our our state duck stamp is like seven fifty, I want to say, or yeah. Yeah, and what's the what's the limit on ducks? Is it different than geese? Uh, probably, yeah, so geese we, in the state of Minnesota here, we can um, uh, we can get uh, during the regular season it's three geese a day, and then I and then it's six ducks, and there's certain um, speculation, or you know, we can only shoot four mallards or three mallards, and only two can be hens. And there's, um, so there's limits on the species of ducks too. So like we can only shoot three wood ducks a day and two have to be a drake or only one has, one has to be a hen or one can be, only one can be a hen. And, um, so like, uh, canvas backs, I think we only take two or one pintails. I think it's only one, one to two. So they really limit on us on how many species of ducks we can kill per day. Sure. And, um, um I think it, I think it does help. It, just the conservation part of it. Right. I love seeing ducks fly around in the summer. I love looking at potholes and scouting different things and seeing how many there. So. Right. Yeah. We, you know, Minnesota is technically not in the you know uh, the duck making part of the country. You got you know North Dakota, South Dakota, back in the you know up in the Saskatchewan, and I mean that's where all the ducks are basically made every year. So. Okay. But we get we get our fair share. Um, Especially on the western part of the state, I'm kind of more you know southwest central there. Um, so we do get a lot of breeding. Um, mostly it's wood duck and teal. Uh, we do get a you know, a handful of mallards up here, but uh, we like to wait for the late season when those big Canadian mallards come down. Gotcha. Then it's a riot. Yeah. Um, so I do have a question about. Like when you are duck hunting, and you because you do have dim, uh, the daily limits on on different species, how do you tell? Like, oh, oh, we've already gotten you know three teal or whatever the the limit is. How do you tell if a, if it is a teal that's coming in? Obviously, the mallards are pretty easy to distinguish because of the green head, but uh, I guess you yeah. just I, do they get close enough to where you can tell or? Yeah, yeah, they get close enough you can tell. Um, also, just the way they fly and what kind of groups they're in and how high they're flying and 
how they react to decoys. I mean, I know divers react to decoys a little bit different than teal do. Teal, you know, teal are fast little ducks, and they, they you know, they'll fly a, a decent sized flock, and they probably, you know, between seven to fifteen, and they're screaming across the lake. And we, <laughs> you know, we have, we have a lot, of, a lot of potholes and up up here in Minnesota. And so I, just in the way they fly, I know wood duck flies a little bit different, just the way their body shape is and the wing okay. shape is. And, um, and their calls, obviously, the the sounds that they make. If you listen carefully, you know, wood duck, a wood duck, um, uh, drake, or uh, wood duck hen is, you know, sounds different than a mallard hen. It's more of a whistle and same with the teal. And, um, so it, it, there's, a, there's a lot of things you can tell and pick out. Um, it's, okay. You know, I've, I've been doing this for a while. I, I thought I know a couple of buddies that they have, you know, when you go hunting out with them and they shoot, I go, oh, look over and say, hey, nice teal or, you know, nice woody or something like that. And he looks at me, how do you know that? And I said, well, it's, I, I could pick them out pretty decent. Um, yeah. I know it's, I know it's tough for, you know, the guys that get out once, twice a year. I, I mean, if you do your homework and, you know, pay attention a little bit of detail, listen and watch and yeah. it'll come to you. Yeah, interesting. Because that's one thing I've always wondered was, uh, you know, how do you tell the difference? You know, just birds flying at you is all I see. But that's from, like I said earlier, a novice, you know, coming into to the waterfowl thing. I've only, I've only hunted goose or geese one time. And so um, that's a that's a good piece of info right there. Yep. I, I would have, for, for, me, for me, it's the body shape, how fast, you know, how, how they're flying. Their wing, their wing shape. Yeah, yeah, uh, makes total sense. Uh, yep. So, um, do you cook? Uh, do you cook ducks uh, similar to the way you cook geese? Uh, yes and no. I, uh, you know, I like to if it's a if it's a mallard, you pluck them. I'll pluck a couple mallards here and there, and you know, put a uh, kind of like a beer can chicken. I like to do that with a okay. with a duck. Yeah. It, Puts a little bit of moisture back in the meat there. It's, uh, you know, ducks and geese are very deep meat. It's easy, they'll, it's easy to dry them out, overcook them. Um, they, they do cook fast. So, our, our, you know, another way I like to do is just oven roast them. I'll, you know, just pluck the feathers, cut the legs, gut them, take the head off, and, you know, season season the outside and, and just put them in the oven and roast them. And, you know, Sounds there's there's certain ducks I, <laughs> there's certain ducks I like to eat better than other ducks. Uh, obviously, everybody likes eating mallard. Um, I think uh, wood duck is just as good. Um, you get those teal with uh, green wing or blue wing. They're they're tasty little creatures too. Um, but you know when you get into the, the divers that you know kind of eat a little bit more off the bottom and stuff like that. They're not going to fields of you know wheat and barley and corn stuff like that that you know they they're a little bit darker and they you know they're a little bit stronger in the wild taste so okay that was going to be my next question was uh do they do they taste different but and and if they do taste different does it i guess that depends on their their diet yes i big firm firm believer and uh different ducks taste different ways and uh, the the teal the mallard yeah they, they're similar tasting you know like that and the wood duck, I think, is a very good duck, tasting duck. Um, uh, bluebills, canvasbacks, uh, yeah, you know, you can, you know, make jerky out of them or mix them with, uh, you know, mix them into a sausage or something like that. And okay. That, that's pretty good. Uh, I, I know we like to 
we like to do a lot of Italian sausage and brats and stuff like that. So You're making me hungry. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just have. If you don't have anything else to ask I, or uh, to add, I have one more question. Oh yeah, sure. What is the big deal with banded birds? Oh yeah, that's <laughs> that, I know that's that is one thing that I know about the uh, waterfowl uh, industry is that banded birds are like guys collect them like uh, the the bands you know and they got the big um, what do you call them their the calls what the calls hang on they're just all the way around it. Um, the lanyard, yeah. Yes, they, the lanyard. Yeah, they put on that lanyard, yeah. Um, well, uh, that's, you know, you shoot a banded duck or goose, that's like your prize for the day. Um, <laughs> I, 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 trust me, I, I love, I, I've only shot one band in my life. Um, actually, tell the truth, it was my first goose I ever shot. Nice. It was a banded goose. But, you know, that, that was 25 years ago, and I have not shot another one since. So um, I know, <laughs> I know some guys are maggots for them. I mean, it just seems like they always shoot a banded duck or goose every year. You know, right, right. I, you know, some people, you know, some people go after that. I, I, I mean, I think it's a neat thing. I mean, I, I like how they they band them. It's you know, it's kind of a a neat reward, or you know, it's it's you know, it's a prize for yeah. shooting that goose. Too. Yeah, trophy many, in some sorts. Exactly. Yes, um, I know they do a lot of different kinds of bands. They do neck bands and different um, leg bands, and I mean, yeah, you shoot a neck band. I, a neck band is a big thing. Uh, okay, that's kind of, I didn't know that. That's kind of like the, yeah, you, a waterfowler shooting a neck band is kind of like the holy grail for. Gotcha. Interesting. Okay, uh, and because I know you can, that, don't they have like a number or a code or something that you can call and kind of kind of get the story on on that bird that the band was on yep yep they um they they put a number on there the u.s fish and wildlife service they they, they put numbers on there and you, now they used to well back in the day you had to call it in and then they send you a piece of paper like a little certificate of saying you know where this bird was banded and you know, how old this band you know this bird was when it's banned approximately they don't it's never specific enough. Like they don't say like March first of two thousand fifteen or two thousand fifteen or something like that. But you know they give you approximate age and the sex of the bird and you know so and it, it it's it's a neat. I, I I think it's you know one of the funner things to get when you're hunting. So yeah, yeah, that's that that would be pretty cool. Like if they had it for not just waterfowl, but if like say a deer had a which I know they call her deer uh right usually but if they had if it happened more often it was more of a a pronounced thing in other species besides waterfowl but because it it would be cool to hear the story you know behind what you just killed because you know oh exactly yeah no but do you remember the story of uh your banded bird what the where it was from where it was banded how old it was and all that stuff oh it was so i shot a lack barrel and it was banded in Fergus Falls, Minnesota, which was a little bit north. Um, I believe it was a three, four-year-old bird, and it was a female. And, um, yeah, so that was, you know, call it luck. And, you know, it's, you know, it's, like, it's, it's, like, shooting your, it's like shooting your biggest buck, the first buck you shoot. You know, you right, can never exactly. go back on it. You know, that's what I'm, I'm, I've been in the blinds. I had uh, 
two years ago when I, we shot those 45 on uh, uh, Hawkers out in North Dakota. Mm-hmm. Uh, my buddy ended up shooting his first band out there too. So. Oh no, kidding! That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, they're they're far and few between, um, unless you're unless you kind of know the general area where they band the birds. And I know I know some guys they they are band hunters, so okay. they they know specifically where they band the geese in the general area on there. So they set up either around that area, or you know, in direct line of their migration. So when they do come through, your chances are better on shooting those banded birds. Gotcha. So. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, cool. Yeah, it's it, it's far and few between. I, I I I'm just waiting for the day I shoot my banded duck. I shoot about twenty ducks a year, and I still haven't got a banded duck. <laughs> well, I hope it happens soon, buddy. Yeah, me too. I they also they also have um, some some places they put transmitters on them, like wireless transmitters. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I know. Uh, I know one of the guys that I hunt snow geese with. He shot a I forget what kind of bird it was. Oh, it, it, Mallard Hen, I think it was, and it had a wireless tracking device on it. It was like basically a backpack wow. on the dock. And crazy. Uh, no, it's really it's it is crazy, and it was also banded too. So it was a so he had a bandit uh, banded duck with a wireless transmitter on it, and he you have to send that transmitter back to the U.S. Uh, fishing game. Okay, and. Uh, and if you want something like, you know, if you're going to mount the bird, they'll send you actually a replica, a replica of that device, and you can put it on that bird if you're going to mount it or something like that. Oh wow! It's, yeah. and, and that's and that's a big prize. Yeah, I mean, you I should wear it for sure. <laughs> oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I I I know. Um, last year they some guys out west they shot a banded snow goose that was banded actually in the eastern part of russia whoa so i i know i didn't think i didn't think that the, um the, uh, they banded birds up in russia but now that would have been a sweet band to have that's yeah, like yeah you know, that i'm sure that doesn't those are very far and few between right, so exactly dang that would be wild wouldn't that be wild? I thought so too. Uh, yeah. I saw that. I, I read that article twice. I'm like, what? Really? <laughs> <laughs> to make sure you were, you're what you were reading was what you were reading. <laughs> exactly. I I know the the, the Pacific. Uh, some of the Pacific uh, snow geese that uh, migrate north, they do fly over into uh, eastern Russia there, and that's where they kind of nest too, and along with yes. you know, along with northern Alaska, and obviously. In Canada, northern Canada, and the Arctic, and uh, up in the tundra and stuff like that. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Well, that's a lot of good info. I, I have no more notes. I have ex- I have exhausted my notes. So if you uh, <laughs> if you have anything else you want to add, man, uh, feel free. Which we're going to get into the rapid fire questions. But if there's anything else that you think we miss, because like we established before, you're the the more experienced one out of us two for sure. Yeah, right. <laughs> so uh, if there's anything that I miss or anything that uh, that you think needs mentioning, uh, feel free. Oh, I just um, for you know if you're gonna you're gonna hunt hunt these geese and hunt ducks, obviously, you know, just the main thing is scout and know what you're doing and make sure make sure you time it right. And if you time it right and have your decoys and you're concealed and should all line up pretty decent for you so 
Perfect. Awesome. Well, we'll have to we'll have to get together and and uh, schedule us a goose hunt or a duck hunt, yeah. either or or both. Right. I mean, <laughs> I, I would I I would mind coming down your way, do you know, do northern Texas, you know, yeah. Oklahoma or something. I'd do a, a lesser hunt because I, I we don't get many lessers up here. Okay. I mean, more and you know, you go a little bit west and North Dakota, South Dakota, you, you get a little bit more lessers up the, over there, but um, yeah, we, we don't uh, we don't see the I guess the, the flocks that you see down for last year's, and I think that'd be a, a fun little shoot. So, gotcha. Yeah, we'll have to put something in the books. I think I think we're gonna have to. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you come up here. Yeah, if you want to come up here, you know, next uh, next year for early North Dakota and put you on some big hawkers. Yeah, here's, they fly here's what we do. We we'll just go back and forth. One year we'll come down here. The next year we'll go Perfect. up there, and then we'll just go back and forth each year. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, well, let's get into these rapid-fire questions. What do you say? Let's do it. All right. Rapid-fire question number one. What is your favorite hunting memory? My favorite hunting memory? Um, probably my favorite hunting memory probably has to be my bear. Um, I shot a black bear when I was 15. And, Whoa. And that was, yeah, it, uh, it was at the cabin. We have a cabin up in northern, northern Minnesota, um, at a cross lake area. And uh, that was my that was my first big game animal I shot was a, a black bear. So gotcha. I have to say that, and the story behind that was quite crazy too. So yeah. that's that, we, that, we got time if you want to share it. Um. Uh, uh, so yeah, I was 15, and we, you know, we 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 get to bait them up here. Okay. Um. So I was my I was 15, first time big game hunting, and was with my old man. He was up in North Dakota and um, set the bait out opening day came and the, the bear I shot had a little white spot on his chest and mm. I, I couldn't hold back and I shot it and did what I was supposed to get out of the stand, go back to the road, wait for my uncle or my the old man. And I did that. And well, my uncle got there first and we started tracking it, went back to the stand and you know, I got good size. I mean, I, I know I squared this thing up pretty nice. And um, I get to it, and it's kind of breathing still. Well, it was breathing still, and I saw uh, I poke it with the end of my gun. And sure as crap, uh, the thing stands up. Uh, okay. My leg looks great in the eyes. All right, yep, I mean, literally two feet away. And <laughs> I sit in there with the gun pointed at it. I That's my uncle. I go, what do I do? He goes, shoot it again. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, crazy. Yeah, and, and, you know, I you know, I was always taught, you know, you, for big game animals, you, you let it lay for a half hour, hour, you know. So yeah. it, it, it it takes its time and goes. And it was an hour. It was an hour from when I, when I shot it to when I uh, found it. And I'm surprised it was still breathing at the time I found it because the sign <laughs> that – the path of the sign that I thought led to it was you know, right, there. right. Yeah, that is why that, that has probably been, yeah. It was that has to be probably my most memorable, I guess. Yeah, cool. That's I, a good one. I, I, yep. <laughs> All right. Well, rapid fire question number two: What is a which I know you kind of mentioned this earlier, um, but a bucket list hunt, and it can be big game, waterfowl. I know you mentioned earlier you wanted. Uh, your bucket list would be a speckle belly, um, but if there's any any big game or anything that you a bucket list hunt that you've always wanted to do that you haven't got to do yet, 
Oh, uh, that's a good question. Um, I, I guess for big game, uh, I'm going to probably go with a, with a moose or a caribou. I just those majestic creatures. I, it'd be it'd be a it'd be a once a lifetime opportunity to go hunt one of those. Uh, gotcha. Probably moose or a caribou. Um, but yeah, for waterfowl, it would be probably a speckled belly and, or a brant goose. I I know they get those some sea ducks, uh, king eiders, and regular eiders that are kind of on my list too. So. I got, I got a big bucket list. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all? Don't we right. all? <laughs> uh, okay, we'll rapid fire question number three, and you kind of answered this earlier, so you might it might just be the same answer, but no big deal. Uh, what is your biggest piece of hunting advice related to waterfowl hunting? Like if there's one thing that the listeners need to take away from this podcast, what do you think it should be? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw two in there. I'm gonna go scouting and concealment. Um, Perfect. Uh, you got you got to scout. You got to I mean, if you're gonna if you want to have a good hunt, you got to scout and you got to get permission on the field that you want, or if you have the permission already, and you got to know where they're in the field. Um, you can't just see them in the field. I mean, you got to you know go and find the feathers and the the droppings and stuff like that, and see what way they're going and stuff like that, and then to hide you hide yourself. I mean, that's I couldn't. I don't stress more about hiding yourself. Concealment is, you know, scouting and concealment are probably my, the two things that people should take away. So. Gotcha. Okay. Well, there you go, folks. That's the, uh, from the, from the professional. That's what you need to right? do. <laughs> well, awesome, man. Andy, I appreciate you, uh, uh, coming, coming on here with me and, and talking about this. It was a, it was a good conversation. I actually learned some stuff, so I'll nope. be, I'll be keeping that in my old noggin and uh yep. using that so hopefully they pulled some nuggets out of it too so uh i really appreciate it yeah, not a problem thanks for having me on this was this was fun <laughs> hope, i hope hope someone like, gets to learn something or take something away from this and helps them on their next on talent on about so yeah exactly but yeah and i'm looking forward to our uh annual goose hunts yes we're doing it <laughs> we're doing it we're doing it for sure <laughs> awesome well Guys, thanks for listening. Uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap up here. We're getting close to the end of our time. Uh, I failed to do this at the beginning, but I do need to uh, give a quick shout-out to our friends over at Elite Archery. They have taken awesome care of us. Uh, this year I'm shooting the ritual, and I could not be more happy uh, with this bow. It, it is insanely quiet, insanely smooth. Um, if you have not shot an Elite, go to your local archery shop and shoot one. Take the shoot, uh, Elite Shootability Challenge. Uh, and you will not be disappointed, I promise. Andy, thanks again, man. I greatly appreciate you coming on here. Thank you very much, Nick. All right, guys. Uh, if you haven't yet, go check us out on social media, YouTube, uh, all the uh, all the platforms out there. Go check us out. And uh, go to our website, www.followobsession.com. Uh, we got all kinds of, of awesome content on there, uh, some awesome uh, reviews we have articles um, good videos recipes all kinds of stuff so go check those out too we'll see you guys later on the next uh, follow-up session podcast